Well, greetings and good morning, Chatham Community Church. Uh, we're glad that you're here uh, worshiping with us this morning, praising our good and great Heavenly Father. Um, if this is your first time in a church setting or first time in a long time, we're glad you're here. We've been praying that you would come. As some of you may know, uh, this summer, Alex has taken a sabbatical, and, and I pray that it has been restful for him, and he's getting restored and comes back to us in the fall. We've had guest pastors off and on throughout the summer, both here and at our North Chatham campus. Uh, pastor Jaime, who is our campus pastor here at, at uh, Pittsburgh, asked me if I would fill in for him today. He uh, tested positive for COVID, but has a mild case, and he is doing better. And actually, uh, last night when I talked to him, he was feeling better. And then this morning when I talked to him, he was feeling okay. And I'm thankful to God for that. Well, my name is Ernie Lang, and along with my wife, uh, since 2011, I have attended Chatham Community Church. Uh, in the past three years, I have served as a part-time role on staff uh, as facility manager, uh, taking uh, space requests, uh, opening doors, all sorts of things, and I've probably talked to some of you. Also, during that time since we've been with church, I served on the Sunday crew. And for those who don't know, we used to meet in Woods Charter School. We used to set up and break down every Sunday, and we'd pull trailers there, and so that was part of how I served. I've also served on Chatham Kids. I've even carried donuts when my wife worked on hospitality before we had to have everything prepackaged. And so some of you may be saying, well, that's great, Ernie, but why are you up there? <laughs> well, I'll let y'all in on a little secret. I found out that if you volunteer or serve for 10 or more years, they'll let you come preach a sermon. <laughs> I'm kidding, of course, but so why am I up here? Well, for that, I, I feel like I need to explain a little bit more about my past. Most of my life, I've wanted to be a better man. And I feel like most of y'all can identify with that. Not necessarily the part of being a better man, but being a better person. Being a better friend. Being a better child. Being a better uh, co-worker. Spouse. Parent. Well, for me, I grew up in and around churches, a lot of us do down in the South. And I feel like, for me, being a better man, I associate it with being a better Christian. I also wanted a faith that would never waver. I wanted to be like Pop. Now, Pop was my mom's father, and to me, he was that better man. He was a faithful servant of God. He sang hymns of praise. Uh, he was in the choir and he also had a faith that I never saw waver. And so for me to be that person, I aspired to be like Pop. He was my mentor and my friend. Um, when Pop, I, I mean, but for Pop, I could share stories all day about him. But what I took the most about him was how much he loved his church and how much he loved serving his church. I remember times where he would run up to church because there was a Bible study happening and the temperature was too hot or too cold. Or somebody had left something in the sanctuary and he had a key, so he would go and lock the doors to allow them to get something. There was one time when our church decided to buy a church bus. And that's great. We were going to be able to get people that were homebound to the services. We were able to serve our ministries to be able to go to luncheons and camps and events together. 
The one thing they didn't think about was who's going to drive the bus? You had to have a CDL license to drive this bus. And nobody in our congregation was willing to do that. Pop saw the opportunity. So he went, got his CDL license, and drove the bus. I was, I was, um, but when I, um, so all that happened. And when I was 19, Pop passed away. And so when that happened, my faith did waver. I still went to church, but in college, I thought little of God. When I went home, I'd attend services at Easter and at Christmas, but I mainly went to take other mama to service. Other mama was Pop's wife. I certainly wasn't there to be a better man. And so I found myself drifting through life with my wavering faith for almost a decade. And then I met Katie and we started attending church regularly. And then we moved to this area and started attending CCC, and I could feel a change. The change that was happening was a transition in my life from one stage to another. I was becoming more like Pop, I felt. I was becoming a better man. And today's passage is about the change for a group of men. Our passage today is from the book of Mark, Along with Matthew, Luke, and John, they make up the four Gospels. Um, So if you would, turn to your Bibles to Mark chapter 3, verses 13 through 19. Uh, If you don't have your Bible with you, the passage will be up on the screens. And if you don't own a Bible at all, come see me after service, because I would love to give you one. And he... Jesus went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him. And he appointed twelve, whom he also gave the name apostles, so they might be with him. And he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. He appointed the twelve, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Boanerges, that is, sons of thunder. Andrew and Philip and Bartholomew and Matthew and Thomas and James the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus and Simon the Zealot and Judas Iscariot who betrayed him. There's just something about this passage that amazes me. Jesus Christ chose these 12 men out of everybody that he could have chose. There just had to be something amazing about them, right? I mean, think about it. If you're going to pick the 12 best of anything, you want it to be the best. The 12 best friends, yes. The 12 best recipes, people would always come to your house and have meals. The Food uh, Network may even give you a show. It sounds good. The 12 best stocks that would rival even Warren Buffett's portfolio, portfolio, that would be helpful right now. The 12 best TikTok dances, so you could have the most followers, because that's still a thing, right? People want followers. So what was so great about these 12? At first glance, nothing. And I mean nothing. None of them were prophets or scholars or preachers. They were fishermen a tax collector, and a thief. They were working everyday jobs just like you and I. Well, I don't consider being a thief an everyday job, (laughs) 
But if that's you, good. I'm glad you're here in the right place. (laughs) You wouldn't think that Jesus would be able to change the world with these 12 men. It doesn't make sense. Again, don't we need the best to be with us? I would think at the very least we would surround ourselves with friends, family, people that we could trust. Or maybe we would surround ourselves with people who could, that we could benefit from. You know, their strengths would more than make up for our weaknesses, more than make up for what we lack. But what you find out is Jesus didn't lack anything, did he? Well, in his humanity, he did need something. He needed friends. He needed fellowship. He needed community. And he got that from these men. Even though these guys seemed ordinary, Jesus saw more in them, just as he sees more in us than we often see in ourselves. He sees more in you than you see in yourself. And he sees more in me than I see in myself. See, Jesus went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired. He didn't test them to make sure they were worthy. He even knew Judas would betray him, and he still called them. They weren't chosen because of their abilities. I mean, since when does being a fisherman help advance the gospel? When does being a fisherman help advance the good news? So Jesus called to him those whom he wanted, the ones that he desired. And what did they do? They came to him. At that moment, that's all they did. Almost everything in this passage, Jesus did. He went, he called, he appointed, and he sent. But they came to him. In that moment, they were available for Christ. So regardless of their ability at the time, they gave Jesus their availability. Again, regardless of their ability, they gave Jesus their availability. So even though these guys seemed ordinary, again, Jesus saw more in them. So Again, going back to Pop, he didn't have the ability at the beginning to drive that bus. What he did have was an availability. And so he went, took his test, practiced, and was able to serve the church in driving that bus. And we all have different levels of ability. But imagine all Jesus could do if we gave him all of our availability. I want you to think of times throughout your life where you depended on yourself, where you may have held back or doubted yourself, thinking that you can't, you can't make a difference. Was there ever a time where um, you probably could have made a change or made a difference if you had only helped out with that group project at work or volunteered at a nonprofit, coached your child's team, or even led a small group. Don't worry about your abilities. Give Jesus your availability when you feel called. Another thing that I find amazing about that passage is that that when Jesus called the 12, he called them first to be with him. 
He didn't say, I have tremendous tasks that you're going to take on. You're going to face trials and tribulations all to advance the kingdom in the name of my Father. No. He called them to be with him, to spend time in fellowship with Jesus. Now, when I have a mentor, I want to spend as much time as I can with them. I want to spend it through in person or by phone or if I had to, by Zoom or phone call or text, whatever way that I could communicate with the mentors. And I've been blessed with many, and Jaime is one of them. And I wonder if the apostles felt this way. You know, they got to spend time with Jesus. And, and Jesus could have very easily given them the Holy Spirit and sent them on their way and had them go do everything at the end. But he wanted them to spend time with him. And I think that's great. And I think that's wonderful. And you may think, well, I mean, wouldn't it have been better and quicker to advance the gospel if Jesus would have given them the Holy Spirit? if it would have been on them earlier in their life. But I think of it like this. There are times and places when you have to be there in the moment to truly experience something. For me, it's a summer baseball game. The smell of popcorn and peanuts and a hot dog, the roar of the crowd as the home team scores a run, singing take me out to the ball game in the seventh inning stretch with a bunch of strangers you don't know. Or if you happen to ever go to Fenway Park in the eighth inning and you get to sing, Sweet Caroline, ba-ba-ba. There's just something about being in that moment and taking it all in. You can't read about it. You can't watch a video about it. You can't hear about it. But sports might not be y'all's thing. Maybe it's going to a museum and seeing the works of one of your favorite artists. It could be going to hear an author speak and how they create the worlds and the characters that they've written about that you so love. It may be being in a concert, front row, right there to see your favorite band, uh, singer or composer. But again, you have to be there. And being called uh, by Jesus for these apostles, I feel was like that. They, you had to be there. But being called by Jesus, make no mistake, is so much better. So I used to work athletics. And again, like this is probably the second one, but like I can always relate something to that. And some of y'all are saying, great, a sports analogy. But bear with me. So in, I don't know how many of you know about golf or played it, watched it, have ever had any experience with it. But it's a challenging sport that people rarely get better throughout all the time and money they spend. And one of the things that rarely happens is a hole-in-one. And for those that don't, don't know, a hole-in-one is when you hit the ball from the green, I mean from the tee, and it soars through the air and lands on the green and goes in a hole on one shot. Now, there are people, like I said, that will spend years and money and time out on the course to try to be able to get that. There are some people that get it the very first time they play golf. And both are worth celebrating. Both are equally impressive. But for the person that spent all that time and practice, don't you think it means that much more? So I think about that when Jesus sent the apostles out. You know, he had them with him. And he was able to explain the parables 
to them in more detail when they had questions. Oftentimes, he answered their questions with a question, but he still had that moment with them. They saw how Jesus prayed, how Jesus went to the Father, how he went to be alone, and how he preached, and yes, how he even did miracles. So when the time came and Jesus sent them out, they knew what was expected of them. They knew what to do. And I'm sure there were times of disappointment when they were trying to spread the news. There were times where they just had to shake the dust off. But the times when they were able to advance the good news, to share the kingdom with a township or a town, when they were able to hit that hole-in-one, don't you think they were so excited to get back to Jesus and celebrate with him? And it's not what the apostles could have done on their own. Because even if the apostles were lacking in ability at the beginning, when they came to Jesus, Jesus equipped them for what they would be called to do. Jesus revealed the truth to them. He modeled discipleship for them. He connected them to God and to each other. He prepared them again so they could do what he was calling them to do. Jesus sent them out to preach. He gave them the authority to cast out demons. He gave them the ability to heal the sick. And all this is great. And it started with being with Jesus. Jesus called and they came to him. And Jesus will call each and every one of you. And I know some of you think, he won't call me. I have too much baggage or I've sinned too much in my life. There's nothing that you can do that will ever shock Jesus. Nothing. He knew that Peter would betray him. Yet, he knew that Peter would deny him. But yet, he forgave him. He went to Saul, who was persecuting his followers, and converted him. When Jesus calls, it's because he wants us to be with him. He wants us to love God, and he wants us to love others. He wants us to go and make disciples. He wants us to know that he is always with us. And so there's one thing that we need to do when Jesus calls. We go to him. Well, Ernie, I can't be with Jesus like the apostles were. But we can still go to him. We can go to him uh, and spend time with Jesus in many ways. In prayer, in reading the Bible, in being a part of your church, in serving, in serving others. And doing the things that he calls us to do. And so, like I said, he calls us to be disciples, to spread the good news in this messy world. And that's why he uses messy people like us. He calls people like you and like me and people from all walks of life. He'll call the haves and the have-nots, the mighty and the weak, the sinner and the saint. And he'll call all of them. He'll meet you in the lowest of valleys or in the midst of a storm. And I, 
don't want you to think that by following Jesus and doing what he's asking you to do means that you will never be back in a valley or ever be back in a storm because we will. But the great news is Jesus will be there with us. I can't tell you how Jesus will show up in your life, when or where. I will share when he showed up in mine. This moment right here has been years in the making, even before I realized it. I had no idea the path that I would be on. Around 2012, Ken asked me a question. Will you help set up the church? And so I said, yes, I can do that. And through the fellowship of setting and breaking, up, breaking down the church, I learned about small groups, and I was asked, would you join a small group? And I said, yes. And it was great, and I ended up joining Ken's small group, and, and I was learning, and I was walking closer with Jesus than I ever had been before. Well, Ken and his family moved away, and I got asked another question. Would you host a small group? You don't have to lead, because I wasn't there yet, I promise you. You don't, you don't have to lead. Just open your home and allow people to come in. And I said with Katie, yes, we can do that. And so another year went by and I got asked another question. Will you lead small group? And here I had to step back. And I started to feel doubt come in. And I was questioning myself, why me? I'm just a host. I, don't, I can't lead a small group. There's surely others way more qualified. And I started thinking to myself, I'm like, why am I holding back? Why am I having doubt? I've been walking with Jesus closer than I ever had been in my life. And yet, I was doubting. I was doubting my ability when all I was asked for was availability. The more time I spent with Jesus in prayer and in scripture, I began to understand that he was going to work through me. And so again, I said, yes, I will lead small group. Every yes that I gave Jesus drew me closer. And don't get me wrong, it wasn't because I was serving his church and serving others that this happened. I grew closer to him because I was spending more time with him in scripture and in prayer Yes, in serving and in being in small groups, attending church regularly. All those things began to add up. All those yeses led me to where I am today. Again, right here, right now. At the beginning, I said I would answer a question. Why am I up here? Well, Jesus called and I said, yes. And Jesus is going to call you, each and every one of you. And it's not going to be because of your ability of what you can and cannot do. He's going to want your availability to be with him. So be ready to give him your yes. And let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for allowing us to worship you today. Lifting our voices as we sing your songs, hearing our prayers, 
the ones we speak from our lips and the ones that we hold close to us. May we always seek you, God, in all that we do. May you give us ears to hear and eyes to see the path that you would have us take. Rid us, rid us of temptation to try to do things on our own. Rid us of doubt, thinking that we can't do this. Remind us that you are holy, holy, holy. And that we not worry about our own abilities, but that we are available for you. That we find time every day to spend with you as much as we can. In your name we pray. Amen.